Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Movie X Podcast. I am Gabriel Chavez. I'm Paul Shandle. Today, we mouseketeer our way into the 2002 Britney Spears wants to be a movie star flick known as Crossroads. But first, yeah. <laughs> but first, this is a comedy podcast. If you have not seen the movie we are about to shit on and you want to avoid spoilers, stop now. But if you don't care about spoilers and want to laugh and learn why this movie sucks so bad, for the love of God, do not write your autobiography into a film just because you can. <laughs> Without further ado, let's hand it over to Pablo Francisco. <clears throat> Three childhood best friends and a guy they just met take a road trip across the country, finding themselves and their friendship in the process. I mean, I thought I, you were going to like say finding their friendship in peril. <laughs> this movie starts with their friendship in peril, you know, and there's ne there's never any explanation other than the fact that they were childhood friends and now they're like teenagers in order to explain that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> Uh, this this is a Paramount release in association with Fuzzy Bunny Films, MTV Films, and Zomba Films. Paramount, we've looked over a few times with our Episode 3 podcast, Mother, as well as Episode 5, Congo, and Episode 13, The Core. Fuzzy Bunny Films has made 13 titles over the years, beginning with Japanese maestro Takashi Katano, a.k.a. Beat Takashi's year 2000 film called Brother. This guy is amazing, and I can't recommend him enough. See all of his movies. Seriously, Fireworks, Kikajiro, all of his movies, they're fucking great. I watch every single one of his fucking movies. He's one of the few that I do. They also did Pedophile R. Kelly's visual album, Trapped in the Closet, if that's worth anything. <laughs> as well as the rather excellent... <laughs> as well Someone's as the... peeing, I don't... Step out the way. <laughs> if, so, if I'm peeing at you, do you A, stay in the way, or B, get the hell out the way? <laughs> uh, anyway, they also did the rather excellent Richard Linklater directed Me and Orson Welles and Britney Spears' greatest hits, My Prerogative, a.k.a. her music video anthology that is two hours and 40 minutes long. I couldn't imagine anything much worse than watching that many Britney Spears music videos. <laughs> MTV Films has had a hand in 73 titles over the years, beginning in 1996 with Beavis and Butthead Do America, and believe it or not, I they're love working. That movie, by the way, that's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one, yeah. And believe it or not, Paul, they're working on an animated Spice Girls movie right now, featuring the Spice Girls as superheroes. I don't know why. I don't know who asked for this, but make it stop, please. Just make it stop. <laughs> Were you a big fan of Beavis and Butthead? I know that you and I have talked about like Ren and Stimpy over the years. You know, I liked Beavis and Butthead just because my parents hated it so much. <laughs> and being an adult now, I'm like, oh yeah, that that show was not good for anyone. Garbage. <laughs> it's garbage. But yeah, the movie has a lot of really good humor in it. And it it's kind of elevated compared to the show, for it sure. Does. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, among the others that MTV Films has produced are the documentary Tupac Resurrection, Murder Ball about the quadriplegic rugby players, the white savior movie Freedom Riders with the core alum Hilary Swank, the excellent Terrence Howard movie Hustle and Flow, which I definitely love, 
Alex Payne's wonderful election with Reese Witherspoon, which I did not know that they had a hand in, huh. as well as one of the worst movies I've ever seen called Napoleon Dynamite, which I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, was like, did, that was a thing, man. Did you like that movie? I know that that was after you got out of high school. but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just like everybody like obsessed over that movie like overnight, and I was just like, what the fuck are people obsessed over? Like This is terrible. Should rewatch it again, you know, see if it stands the test of time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but they also did a couple of jackass movies with the sperm <laughs> who should have been shot into a sock, but he wasn't. So now we are here, named Johnny Knoxville. Oh, and uh, Never Say Never, the Justin Bieber documentary that currently has a 1.6 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> It's a good candidate right there. I can't watch a Justin Bieber documentary, dude. There's just no way. I was trying to get my wife to watch this movie, and she's like, uh, did Gabe pick it? And I'm like, yeah. Mm, nope. Nope. <laughs> Had she... Can't waste my life on these movies with you, Paul. Sorry. <laughs> uh, was she a Britney Spears fan, like, back in the day? No, not uh, not too much. She was a big in sync fan, so right. there's that tie in in the movie. Mm-hmm. So. We'll get to that. <laughs> so, anyway, Zomba Films has only done this one narrative and R. Kelly's IP on 15 year old girls while filming it trapped in the closet anthology. So, we are not off to a great start here with the pedigree behind this flick. <laughs> Ten avaricious people were responsible for this visual disaster. As usual, I'll only talk about a few, but this week, my sights are set on Victor Ho and David Gale. Victor Ho, I bring up only because he did the Neon Demon, which I find amazingly stylish and fucking strange, but also incomprehensible. He also did Ouija, Origin of Evil, if that's worth anything, and the rather entertaining Fast Food Nation from the always interesting Richard Linkletter. David Gale has done 34 movies over the years. The ones I need someone to explain to me, though, are Pootie Tang with Chris Rock and directed by the compulsive masturbator known as Louis C.K., Orange County with Jack Black and Colin Hanks, the 50 Cent biopic starring himself called Get Rich or Die Trying. Side note, 50 went broke in 2015, so does that mean he died and is now resurrected? Is 50 Cent <laughs> Jesus? Just asking. I don't think so, okay. by the way mr gale the movie i really need an explanation for is aeon flux please someone explain this piece of shit to me like i i still don't understand exactly what i saw with that thing (laughs) but this movie stars the mouseketeer turned mental illness poster child herself britney spears avatar alum zoe saldana taryn manning kim cattrall justin long and unfortunately Dan Aykroyd. Why, Dan? Just <laughs> why? When I saw his name, I was like immediately, no, Dan, no, why? <laughs> why, oh. Dan? Why? Oh, and it stars some guy named Anson Mount who did not age well, but that's besides the point. If you get a chance, Google his picture now compared to then. He plays uh, Kurt or whatever the fuck his name is in this movie, you know, like the guy driving the car that they think is a murderer. The hottie. And- yeah, and he did not age well in the last 18 years. That's all I'll say. Anyway, Britney, of course, was the 16-year-old pop star that all of America was drooling over and wondering about her virginity. Leave it to America to sexualize a child and then blame her for <laughs> mental illness. Seriously, I need to do a disclaimer real quick. 
<laughs> I'm gonna shit on this movie and how much I don't like her music, but Britney really did get fucked up by this consumerist yeah. nature of America, looking at her as a sexual commodity, an abusive father, and a goddamn disaster of public expectations. Oh man, the conspiracy theories run deep oh, on yeah. this one. <laughs> they do, yep. But that being said, if the rumors are true about the hashtag free Britney movement, her dad is a real piece of chauvinist greedy shit and he should be beaten with a fucking stick and left out in the cold. Fuck you. Anyway, as an actress, Britney has had 93 credits apparently. Since IMDb started listing music videos as acting roles, it really sucks the air out of acting, but I digress. <laughs> she was in an episode of Glee, an episode of How I Met Your Mother, an episode of Will and Grace, somewhat in Austin Powers' Gold Member, which was more of a cameo than a role. Some movie called Longshot about a gigolo who seduces people and does insider trading. And that's it. Despite her 87 other credits, which are all music videos, she was only in three movies. Avatar co-star Zoe Saldana went over, or we went over in episode 11, but she needs a real breakout rather than being mostly moving scenery. Taryn Manning, you will inevitably know from Orange is the New Black as Pensatucky, a.k.a. the girl with meth mouth in her 87 episode role. But she was also in the aforementioned excellent movie Hustle and Flow as the main prostitute with resident madman Terrence Howard. But that's a whole nother story. Dude, Terrence Howard really <laughs> lost his fucking mind, man. Like over a four year period. It's just, it's kind of incredible actually, like how much he fucked up his life and he oh. fucked up his career too. I wasn't aware of this. Yeah, well, I mean he did Iron Man, right? And he did Crash and he did Hustle and Flow and like Crash of course won Best Picture and got a lot of notoriety and then Hustle and yeah. Flow he got an Oscar nomination for and, you know, Iron Man was like the biggest movie at the time, you know, before The Dark Knight came out. And it started the whole Marvel what, universe. Three months, then? Yeah, three months. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, fucking, you know, Iron Man, when they did Iron Man 2, he wanted twice his fucking salary for the second one. And the studio said, go fuck yourself and replaced him with Don Cheeto. And he yeah, lost man. out on the other 22 Marvel movies that were in there. Yeah, that may have been a mistake. And then he met some girl, and a month later he got married to her, and then it, of course, all ended in tears, and he went through this, like, fucking horrible divorce, <laughs> and now he's got, like, some severe mental illness or some shit like that. It's, it's fucked up, dude, actually. He's got a really weird life story, but again, I digress. I digress. I'm going to get back to this. So, she was also <laughs> Wait, in how'd the, she get on Terrence Howard again? Because I was talking about Hustle and Flow, because Taren, Taren oh, Manning was in that. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, she also was in the terrible prestige movie called Cold Mountain with Jude Law, Nicole Kidman, and Renee Zellweger when she had another face. Again, that's another episode of a podcast entirely. She was also in 8 Mile with Eminem, White Oleander, Experimenter, the awful movie Love Ranch with Joe Pesci, begrudging shout out to New Mexico Film here, and a movie called The Murder of Nicole Brown Simpson with its 82 minute runtime and a 2.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Sounds like a classic. Is there a movie where she doesn't play some kind of abused or sexually assaulted girl or something? Or, I know. mean, I don't, I don't remember one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just been typecast. That's yeah. 
Anyway, so Sex and the City co-star Kim Cattrall has a 90-second role as Britney's mom, presumably because they could only afford her for the one day, but that's besides the point. She was in the Kurt Russell classic Big Trouble in Little China, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, the pedophile Roman Polanski directed The Ghost Rider with former great Ewan McGregor and Dante's Peak alum Pierce Brosnan, Police Academy, Porky's, the utter tribe called Mannequin, which is perhaps one of the most horrifyingly bad movies ever made, <laughs> and Baby Geniuses, a.k.a. the 24th oh. worst movie of all time on IMDb. Yeah. I would like to take that movie and flush it down the toilet. <laughs> it's, it's fucking terrible, yeah. Baby Geniuses 2 apparently is worse, and I, I cannot bring myself <laughs> to watch Baby Geniuses 2. Even for the fucking sick thrill of watching it. There's another movie about babies that has a lot of slapstick humor. Are you talking about Look Who's Talking? No, no, no. It's like Baby in the City. or It's got the guy who plays a gangster or Satan in like every movie. <laughs> He's an Italian guy. What, Damn. I don't know what you're talking about, actually slapstick oh wait it was it was called uh baby's day out or something like yeah that. Yeah, yeah yeah baby's yeah, day out yeah. yeah that's yeah. <laughs> forget the name of the actor God, guy. damn it Italian guy. yeah damn yeah it. you're right i remember i remember having seen part of that movie at least and not finishing it even as a child i didn't want to watch it so there's there's that but anyway justin long used to be in apple commercials and kevin smith movies side note fuck you kevin smith also, side note, I will give Kevin Smith a pass on Tusk. He actually made my mouth hang open with the reveal of the fucked up turn in that movie. <laughs> and that in itself is an achievement. Did you ever see Tusk, Paul? No, I don't think so. I, I, I like a lot of it. I really do. I'm not going to lie. I fucking hate Johnny Depp in it. Johnny Depp shows up as like a Canadian inspector and he's awful. Like, God, awful. <laughs> But the rest of the movie is pretty good. And uh, what's his name? The guy that plays uh, the sheriff in Kill Bill. Something Park. I can't remember his first name. But anyway, you know the guy that says, son number one? This yeah, tall yeah. drink of cocksucker ain't dead. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, uh, he's in that movie. And he's in Tusk. And he's really fucking good in it. But, you know. Yeah, you got to check so it out. Does he play a sheriff in that too? No, he plays this fucked up like Stephen King type writing recluse who's into like experimentation with human bodies and it's interesting dude you got you yeah, got probably going to have to watch this movie yeah. <laughs> yeah like i said when they do the reveal of that movie i was my mouth was hanging open i was like <laughs> wow dude <laughs> Anyway, uh, so I was talking about Justin Long, but Justin Long is also in Movie 43, which is detestable and has to be the product of extortion of Hollywood secrets. There's just no other explanation of that, <laughs> of the cast that's in that fucking movie between, you know, Kate Winslet and Hugh Jackman and everybody else in that fucking movie. It's like, God damn. And how it turned out. And, you know, fucking Hugh Jackman. I think I brought this up before, but, like, Hugh Jackman, his scene, he has, like, testicles, makeup testicles, like, glued to his face like butters. And he's, like, constantly, like, dipping them in his soup when he's eating. And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, how did this happen? How did this happen? It's really bad, dude. It's one of the worst. But 
I'm not even going to go into his other 99 credits, but I'll say that Galaxy Quest is fantastic, as is Drag Me to Hell, but Live Free or Die Hard is awful. PG-13 Die Hard movie, go fuck yourself. And for what it's worth, waiting is funny even though it's boring, childish, and stupid. Oh, and I'll give him a pass on Idiocracy, a.k.a. the now documentary level of truth movie that shows we are going down a dark road of insanity, (laughs) but I digress. (laughs) Bringing up the rear is Dan Aykroyd. God damn it, Dan. God damn it. Academy Award (laughs) Academy Award nominee Dan Aykroyd. God damn it. What's to say about those Blues Brothers legend, man? Ghostbusters, Chaplin, Trading Places, Gross Point Blank. I guess he was in Pearl Harbor, as well as uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, 1941, Pixels, Loser with Jason <laughs> Biggs, Caddyshack 2, which is fucking unforgivable, and his goddamn abomination, Nothing But Trouble, which he wrote and directed and has a 13 on Metacritic. Did you ever see that, Paul? I don't know. It's like that weird haunted house movie where these people end up on like a fucking back road and in this house like taking shelter and Dan Aykroyd's in it as is John Candy. But John Candy plays like a man and a woman that ends up like sexually assaulting the main character and like fucking (laughs) getting married to him. (laughs) And Dan Aykroyd has like really shitty makeup all over his face as like an old man. It's it's fucking weird, man. Like. I, I don't know any other word for that movie other than weird as shit. But if you get a chance, nothing but trouble, you're just going to sit there and be like, God damn it, man. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Especially with John Candy. Yeah. But anyway, this movie was written by Shonda Rhimes. You may be thinking to yourself, shit, I know that name. How do I know her name? It's because she created the equally reductive to women but wildly popular TV show called Scandal with Kerry Washington and Grey's Anatomy with its now 370 episodes. God I didn't damn. know Grey's Anatomy had gotten that far, to be honest with you. <laughs> On the feature side, she wrote Crossroads and Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. Look, I don't want to denigrate the woman or her accomplishments, but Scandal has such a brilliant premise, and they fucked up Kerry Washington's character in the first episode by revealing she was sleeping with not only a married man, but he also happened to be the president of the United States. And for the rest of the show, she pines for him. Way to turn a great character into a vapid woman, (laughs) Miss Rhymes. This brings me to director Tamra Davis. She has 78 directing credits. She directed the funny CB4. I don't know if you ever saw that, Paul, that like weird like exploitation movie about like black rappers. It's pretty entertaining, nope. actually. You should check that out. But yeah. she also did the excellent Jean Michael Basquiat, the Radiant Child documentary, as well as the awful Half Bake with Dave Chappelle. The so awful oh, it makes my come on, what no. you like half baked? God yeah. damn it! It's, God damn it's it! It's great lines in there. It's funny. I don't care. It's stupid. Yeah. Is it because Plot is, is it because dumb, but, is it because be you latched on so hard to Chappelle's show that you had trouble separating the half baked is actually a piece of shit and it's just got a bunch you know, of like, half baked came out way before Chappelle's show. And, wait, and I was a fan of it. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Yeah. Huh, I guess I got my chronology wrong. <laughs> anyway, the... <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool. Fuck you, I'm out. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> But she also did this so awful it makes my nose bleed movie called Billy Madison, as well as a shitload of other TV and music videos. This movie was released on February 15, 2002 in 2,713 theaters and was produced for a tidy sum of only 12 million bucks. It, wow. For once, yeah, a decent I fucking guess. budget for a small <laughs> ass movie. Did Britney get any of that money or was she exploited? Again. You know, I think that her dad probably pocketed all that money, but <laughs> uh, I might make reference to that. I didn't actually write it in my notes, but like it's pretty fucked up, like what happened over the course of her career. But anyway, this movie opened in the number two spot that weekend with a $14.527 million weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Above it in the number one spot was the emotionally manipulative but still true to life Denzel Washington medical drama John Q in its first weekend, which has a 30 on Metacritic, by the way. And below it was Peter Pan 2 in its second week. And rounding out the top five that week was Jingle All the Way alum Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie called Collateral Damage in its ninth week with John Leganzamo, Super Mario <laughs> Brothers alum right there. <laughs> Also, out this same time in theaters was Best Picture winner A Beautiful Mind, Hearts War with Bruce Willis, Ridley Scott's excellent war film Black Hawk Down, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, the Oscar-winning Monsters Ball, the excellent movie In the Bedroom, and the over-infectiously brilliant Amelie. Oh, and Vanilla Sky and Shallow How are out at the same time, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Over the course of its 320-day run in theaters, Britney shook out $37.19 million domestically and $23.949 million internationally, bringing the total worldwide total to $61.141 million, or 500% of its budget. That's a pretty good return there. Not bad, yeah, not bad. This gross makes Crossroads the 39th President's Day opening weekend holder of all time behind the Jerry Bruckheimer-produced 2009 movie Confessions of a Shopaholic, but ahead of the 1997 Clint Eastwood actioneer Absolute Power. It also makes Crossroads the 112th opening weekend for a movie in the month of February behind the previously mentioned Absolute Power and ahead of another equally bad movie, the 1998 Michael Crichton movie Sphere with Dustin Hoffman and Sam motherfucking Jackson. (laughs) The country that was not a fan of Britney's virginal Disney mouseketeer asshattery was Argentina with its $22,500 opening weekend and gross. The top grossing movie of all time in Argentina was the 2015 animated sequel Minions with a $36.154 million gross. South Americans like that movie so much. It's weird. I know, man. It's weird. I mean, just just going over like box office statistics, it keeps coming up that like Despicable Me or like Minions or one of those is like one of the top grossing movies in these countries. And I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Maybe it's because they want to take their kids to something interesting or whatever, but I don't know. Universal just pushes that shit a lot harder down there. Maybe. With an average cost of 3.4 Argentinian pesos, or ARS as it is abbreviated, per ticket in 2002, a steal at just $2 American in February of 2002, 
That brings total Argentinian asses in seats to our second whole number ever. 11,250 people saw this movie over its run in Argentina. Yeah. That was just about the time when their currency started running away. Tanked, yes. Yeah, yeah. When I was there uh, in, what, 2015, like, no one wanted to take Argentinian money. Nice. They're like dollars, dollars, pennies. <laughs> <laughs> then of course I didn't bring I didn't anticipate that so I didn't bring like a shitload of dollars. So you go to the ATM and it would like t- let you take out like 500 pesos which is like $40. Right. They charge you like a 20% fee. Jesus. And then you'd have to take out another 500 pesos. And another, <laughs> another. Just, so you'd have to go to the ATM and you'd spend like a quarter of your money trying to get your money to pay for something. Yeah. That sounds like a good racket, man. For real. Yeah. So if you go down there, just get some Bitcoin or something and skip that whole... Uh, yeah, that Are there a lot of places that would accept Bitcoin in Argentina? I mean, not back then, but I'm sure it's uh, more common now. Because yeah, their mm. currency is a little, little flaky. For real, I had a uh, I had a scammer contact me over email saying that she was a girl that I met when I was in college that was trying to get to me, but she currently lived in Kentucky and that she needed me to send her friend Bitcoin so that way her friend could use the Bitcoin in order to pay for her fucking flight in order to fly to New York in order to find me. And I was like, right, okay, sure. Yeah, that sounds like a fucking... And then she's like, you know, if you can't do Bitcoin, you could buy me a Steam gift card because I was like engaging with this person for a little while. They're saying you, you could buy oh me God. a Steam gift card. That way I could upgrade my phone and I could call you. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I was like, Steam is a gaming platform. What the fuck are you talking about? There's a big whole scam thing about converting gift cards back into real fiat right. currency and stuff like that so there's so many variants on that now it's pretty funny yeah it was it was a wild one i was just like are you fucking see are you for real do people <laughs> fall for this shit it's gonna be tough to be an old person nowadays yeah with all the shit that they can be scammed with everyone is coming at you for your social security every day Oh, time, dude! Do you get the do you get the robotic calls that say that your social security number has been suspended? No, I haven't gotten that one yet. <laughs> That's the latest but one that I've been getting. My my warranty is always expired on my car, <laughs> and I better get a new one. That's oh my god, daily almost. Yeah. <laughs> that one, and then the other one that like they're your credit card company, and they're going to offer you a zero percent interest rate because you've been a good customer. Oh, that one's another good, good one too. Uh, there's a lot of good scams out there, but <laughs> anyway, with a population of 37.68 million people in 2002, that means that 2.985 ten thousandths of Argentina's population saw this movie. Crossroads has a 3.5 out of 10 on IMDb with 38,330 votes, a 27 on Metacritic, and a splatty 14% on RottenTomatoes.com with a 40% audience score somehow. This makes Crossroads equal to the same Rotten Tomato score as the coincident 
original Mosaic movie called The Air I Breathe, as well as an utter punch to the testicles with the same score as Step Brothers. This rating makes Crossroads the 65th worst movie of all time on IMDb, one slot worse than The NeverEnding Story 3 from 1994, and narrowly being beaten out by Fear.com from the same year in 2002. It is 26 places worse than the shit splatter that is the Human Centipede 2 full sequence, 30 places better than <laughs> Left Behind, 40 places better than Cats, and 45 better than Gigli. This makes Crossroads our fifth movie off the bottom 100 on IMDb, by the way, Paul. So... 5%, bro. You've watched 5% of the worst <laughs> movies of all time. <laughs> yeah, we're making some progress. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> this movie ranks highest amongst females aged 18 to 29 with a 4.9 out of 10 and lowest amongst males aged less than 18 with a 2.0 out of 10. This week, my heart is filled with rage as my ears bleed when thinking of the th- 3,949 people or 10.3% of the voters who voted this movie as a perfect fucking 10 best road movie ever made on IMDb. My vote stands with the 11,563 others or a staggering 30.2% of the votes who rated this movie a solid 1 out of 10 stars. (laughs) My favorite reviews this week begin with Stephen Holden from the New York Times. Stephen belts out, quote, Watching Miss Spears sing, dance, and act can leave you wondering what is meant nowadays by the concept of talent, end quote. Original score, two out of five stars. Ed Gonzalez of Slant Magazine croons, quote, Sexless Britney is also blasé Britney, and Crossroads might as well be a dry hump through a babysitter's club book. End quote. Original score, <laughs> 0.5 out of 4 stars. Finally, John R. McEwen of Film Quips Online, Arias, quote, Spears' technique indicates she's a graduate of the Brady Bunch Acting Academy. End quote. Original <laughs> score, 0 out of 5 stars. <laughs> Lastly, Crossroads is rated PG-13 for sexual content and brief teen drinking. I was surprised that the pregnant girl was drinking a Pepsi. I mean, that's probably not good. Yeah, caffeine and sugar and whatnot, yeah. I want to talk about, Paul, this week, the difference between going through the motions and actually knowing what you're doing. I think that this applies perfectly to this movie. You see, in 1895, while Booker T. Washington was giving his Atlanta Compromise speech, the gold reserve of the United States was saved by a $65 million loan from J.P. Morgan, and the first professional game of football was played in the United States... A five foot eleven baby-faced catcher, first and third baseman from Kennett Square, PA, was about to fuck up, all because he convinced someone that he knew how to play baseball. Mike Grady is the man in question, and his sophomore year with the New York Giants was about to yield a quadruple, but not the kind you'd like in baseball. On one fateful day in the spring of 1895, in the beautiful town of Philadelphia, Mashed Potatoes for Brain Mike committed a league record for the time, and his record still stands to this day. You see, a grounder was hit Grady's way, and if he had any brains this day, it would have been an easy out. But no, it was not to be. See, Grady palmed at the ball like Mike Pence stabbing at his wife's breasts. (laughs) 
in the interim of him trying to pick up the ball, the runner reached first. Grady threw the ball anyway at first, his first error, completely missing the fucking guy as he ran off of first base. But Grady seemed to have blown out his rotator cuff as he hurled the ball wide, his second error. But Grady, like Donald Trump, did not know the meaning of something being over. A Giants right fielder retrieved it to see the same runner rounding second and threw the ball back to Grady, who stood at third. But the ball slipped through Grady's mitt like the greased fist of Caligula. The ball rolled toward left field as Grady retrieved the elusive piece of leather and attempted to throw the ball home to tag the runner out. But once again, Gumby couldn't get his arms under control and threw the ball clean over the catcher's head. Four attempts, four failures. We flash back in time to 1895, Paul, as you stand in your burlap <laughs> sack of a uniform. You realize you are Grady and the runner is crossing third headed to home. You crack your shoulders. You try your best to get the string bing cocksucker's shoulder to work as you wind up and you pitch this motherfucker to me, Paul. All right. All right. Listen up here. That's it. We got the star. Her name's Britney Spears. If you didn't know that, I mean, come on. What the fuck? <laughs> You've been living all this time. I mean, when that, like, sweet little ass comes up on screen, you just... You just think about all those sexy little girls and everything like that. Anyways, she's uh, she's been dating Justin Timberlake for a while, and she's been talking about little babies. And uh, sure. I've been I've been sure. slipping her birth control in her drinks just to make sure nothing <laughs> bad happens. But I think I think I won't be able to keep doing that. I mean, I, I'm just getting, we're, we're running out of time here. We got to get to her, get a hit movie out while she's sure, still on sure, top sure. before she turns into like an unsexy mother or some kind right, of character a like that. Five year old dried up piece of shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, so uh, I got this idea for a movie. It's about Britney Spears and her growing up and. Becoming a pop star and shit, but it's not really her story. You know, saying it's like about how do you say it? How do you say it when uh, when it's a story that's not true, but it is true, like based on a real story, but semi-autobiographical. I think is what the yeah, 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 that's what that's what we're going for. <laughs> Just complete nonsense, but yeah. you know, it's it's yeah. close <laughs> enough to be plausible. <laughs> Just like uh, you know, my dick is close enough to be plausible as well. You know what I'm but yeah, uh, no, it's, it's it's going strong. I got this Viagra stuff. To it. Sure, it's sure. Strong. Don't have a heart attack on that. It's right around this time that the people are having heart attacks. <laughs> oh Jesus, you all right? I'll get the nah, defibrillator. Yeah. Just, uh, just a little, you know, this, this 2000, people don't have defibrillators in their office. <laughs> get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we got great. the we got the we got we got the three characters. We got the valedictorian daddy's girl. That's Britney Spears sure. because everyone thinks she's uh, wholesome. I mean, what a fucking joke, no. right? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as you keep selling that, man, like that's what we need to profit off of. Is that oh, every God. guy in the world needs to think that they're going to take Britney's fucking virginity, which is what we're going to sell this movie on. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Right, right. And I sold a virginity for the 12th time to this uh, 
oil chic is pretty uh, man and 12, nice. 12 million bucks there but anyway nice nice right, you got so, the budget for the movie that's nice <laughs> yeah i don't i don't really need too much money from you just uh, advertising costs great like great and i need you to write some fucking songs or we'll just copy some songs from something else i guess we could <laughs> save money that way that's pretty yeah easy. great but anyway, so we got the valedictorian girl britney's Spears girl and then we got the pregnant pregnant teen girl who's in a secret relationship with the popular girl at school and they're nice. they're all friends but not friends because they actually like don't like each other but anyways the pregnant teen girl she secretly wants an abortion so we're gonna make that happen in the movie but wow. it's a non it's a no guilt abortion you know what I'm this, saying this sounds like a very edgy drama man oh uh, yeah yeah for she sure you know it's yeah. teen comedy oh uh, no teen they like this kind of stuff, you know. It's got to have drama <laughs> and everything. It's fine. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I they... mean, fucking Dawson's Creek ran for ten years, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they go on a road trip with the mass murderer, and uh, but they don't know it, right? Nice, nice. Yeah, but it's like uh, California all over again with Brad Pitt. Nice. Yeah, exactly. That's the tone that I want to go with this movie, but not R-rated, obviously. But not already, yeah, yeah. Okay. But okay, then again, yeah. maybe we should probably do something like pop music -y. Whatever. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You pick the tone. It could be a horror, like, <laughs> horror road trip kind of slasher film, or we could just nice. do the, the Britney Spears, like, singing songs kind of bullshit. I don't give a fuck. Nice. Whatever. Nice. Just as long as we get her in a movie before she gets pregnant. That's right, all that right, matters. Right, That's all that matters. I hear that guy, yeah. Kevin Federline, is in the wings waiting to knock this chick up. So uh, we, gotta get, we gotta get moving on this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Great, so great, we, get, great. we got we got Dan Aykroyd. He owes us a lot of money for a couple failed projects back in the day, so sure, we'll get him to play sure. the dad. Sure. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. We got a few other people we can extort as well. And, uh, yeah, nice. 12 million bucks. I mean, we got some big stars nice. going. And, nice. uh, yeah, it'll be a nice, cheap little movie. We'll get the little teen girls in here for this movie. And, uh, yeah, we'll sell this uh, sell this ass while it's still on the market. You know what I'm nice. saying? Nice. Nice. I dig it. I dig it. That's great. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's make a movie. All right. All right. So, Paul, straight off the bat, man, did you? Have you seen this before? <laughs> no. No, no. It was uh You know about this movie's reputation though, right? Like obviously coming into this. No, I did not know much of anything about it. I mean this Really? I had a physical aversion to like teen pop music of the late nineties <laughs> and it was actually coming back to me in the pit of my stomach as I was uh, watching the karaoke scene. Like you were feeling were like, physically ill. Kind yeah. Of yeah. It was making me hurt on the inside. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about nineties, like teen pop music that really know, gets man. to me, but I don't know. Damn, dude, this, this movie was giving me that same kind of reaction. Right. It's kind of like, and imagine, imagine yeah. of the top 40, there was like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, NSYNC, the Backstreet Boys and 98 Degrees all rolling around at the same time. That was a fucking dark day, man. God damn. All right, so Paul, give me, give me, give me your gut reaction on this movie, man. Like your your gut like I said, reaction. Gut gut reaction was uh, probably a prolapsed anus along with appendicitis. <laughs> if you want to go with gut reaction. Yeah. <laughs> So what would you give it? What would you give it objectively out of 10 stars? What would you give it? Objectively, a three. A three? Okay. 
<laughs> and what what is but, your uh, gut? See, I, tell it's you? hard because I'm so biased. I'm so biased against because you hated Britney Spears. So, and... Yeah, I hated Britney Spears. I hated the pop movement of the late '90s. I just right. So, and a lot of people will shit on her acting, and it's like I hate her so much most of the time that I <laughs> I can't be objective and say her acting was bad or good. I'm just like she's just her, and yeah. she annoys me to exist. So I don't know what else. <laughs> So what is your what is your gut rate this movie if you're being objective at a three? Oh, if my gut rates it, I mean a one, yeah, one <laughs> into the negatives if you could. Uh, I think so. <laughs> it's it hurting me. It's hurting me to watch it. I had to like try to distract myself through a couple of parts because I was just getting like so. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and it it's hard to even explain why. It was pissing it's me just off the so guttural much. anger that yeah. you're feeling swell up. Like, I don't know. It started really happening when they were singing the karaoke song where they're singing I Love Rock and Roll over and over again. Right, right. Again yeah. and again and again. And it's supposed to be this rallying point of the movie where they turn the, they turn the next stone or whatever and Britney figures <laughs> out that she can sing or some shit and people like right. her, but really they're just looking at her tits and everything. But... I don't know. Did did that scene bother you? Yeah. Maybe you could yeah. put some words to what was pissing I, me off. I hate so that. Much. Okay, so I hate that song so much in the first place because it's like it's all the lyrics are I love rock and roll, but there's nothing rock and roll about that song. It's just pop recycled crap. And I fucking hate that song because of it. And the fact that they're singing that song and like everybody in fucking Louisiana in New Orleans is like rallying behind. I was like, dude, there's no way. I'm sorry. There is no way the bar crowd on Bourbon Street would be into this shit. You know what I mean? I mean, you get the alcohol flowing. Shit. No, they see crazier shit on a fucking Tuesday night at some fucking burlesque show where right, there's some right. girl like humping a gator on stage. They see that shit every day of the week, but like all of a sudden, this is like the most entertaining thing that they've ever seen. And Britney didn't even <laughs> swing around the pole. Like, what the fuck was that about, dude? Yeah. Well, they may maybe they edited that, that out or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that that's might be what you were feeling. Is it just doesn't feel true to life at all that these people would be into this god awful song? Yeah, and it's supposed to be this emotional turning point in the movie, and you're like, nope. You're fucking failing. You chose a yep. shitty song. And, yep. and an even worse performance and an even worse stage direction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, no, she looks really awkward, too. Like They cling really hard onto that virginal thing in this movie, man. Like, uh, really yeah, fucking hard. I mean, in the context of her character, she should be awkward at this point. You know, she's sure. not a pop star, but... Sure. Uh, she, you know, she wants to bring her her usual Britney flair out, but the director is telling her all the time that you can't do that. You have to look stupid. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's fucking painful to watch. But anyway, so breaking this movie down from the very beginning, right? Like the the now that the... we skipped ahead through half yeah. the movie. <laughs> dude i i read this review this week that i thought was really interesting that i thought about including but if you cut out all the like singing in the car sequences and the karaoke sequence and all that shit and all the scenes of the girls singing 
this movie wouldn't even qualify as a feature length like movie. It would be like a fucking TV special at 40 minutes long, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so from the get-go, the logo for Zomba Films is terrible. Like that fucking speaker that like bounces <laughs> and shit like and based on the orchestra hits and baseline, I'm guessing that this is Britney Spears's company. I never actually fucking like followed up on that because I just don't give a shit. I just don't care. I really set the tone for the whole movie right there. Yeah. yeah. But you know, MTV films, man, like are they proud of this, do you think? Like that their name is on this shit? They don't they had care. To, they don't care. Yeah, it's all about money. Who are they? Wait, so I think MTV Films at the time was, or MTV at the time was owned by Paramount Viacom, which makes sense with the Paramount distribution. But like, you know, they're just, they're just in it for the money. Like MTV during this time period was a very confusing time because there was a thing on every day of the week called TRL, Total Request Live, right? And like <laughs> fucking Carson Daly was standing out there in his Muppet haircut, just getting people to call in and talk about how much they loved Christina Aguilera or whatever the fuck. And then yeah. he'd play music videos of them like fucking, you know, on the air or whatever. It was a weird weird dark time for society during this, this was time before mtv completely turned into reality shows they only had like yeah. one or two reality shows right they yeah, actually yeah, had yeah. music I mean, it was the real world during <laughs> that time i think was yeah there. yeah no for sure sure yeah that was like the og of all reality right. shows right there but uh, <laughs> but now i'm pretty sure that's all they do like they don't they don't have music anymore. anymore. I don't know. <laughs> I, I have literally not turned on MTV in... I did a couple years ago. I was just skimming through. And yeah, it's I'm pretty sure it's just reality shows. <laughs> so. Yeah, the worst of the worst. But anyway, so I, I like how this movie has the same thing that uh, Jason X has. And it has a film by Tamara Davis, right? Because this movie is a movie that you should be proud of, Tamara. Like, you should really be proud of that. <laughs> but Justin Long, dude, and Kim Cattrall, god damn it. I always forget that they're in this movie, and I always forget that they used to have careers at some point. It just makes me <laughs> sad. It really does. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad thinking about their careers. I, I forgot that this movie was written by Shonda Rhimes, too, right? So, like, it pops up in the opening credits, written by Shonda Rhimes, and Caitlin's sitting there watching it with me, and I had to pause it, and I was like, god damn it. <laughs> She was like, we haven't even gotten anything. What are you bitching about now? And I was like, Shonda Rhimes. You know who Shonda Rhimes is? And I told her, you know, like the creator of Scandal. And she's like, I like Scandal. And I was like, yeah, but it fails the Becktail test on every single level. So there's that. And they just kept playing it. But anyway, so this movie starts off on a really weird note with Britney dancing in her underwear while eating cereal and wearing a cowboy hat while singing in a spoon is something that you'd you'd actually see Anna Faris doing in a parody comedy. But they played this straight, man. Like, this is actually played straight. It's not made for laughs. I mean, yeah, they needed trailer material. And there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Britney Spears dancing around in her underwear. I think that's the worst thing about this movie is that like she was 20 when she was making this movie and the idea that she's supposed to be in high school and a senior like she's just barely legal you know what I mean and you're seeing dancer around in panties and seeing her in like her seductive outfit when she tries to fuck Justin Long and shit and it it goes into this whole thing with America of like 
this sick thing that we have in this country about like oh you know like oh you know teenage girls they're okay blah blah blah, blah. you know like you got to get them just out of 17 you know otherwise <laughs> it's illegal blah 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 blah, blah. and it's really fucking weird and I hate it. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> like it's a big problem that I have with a lot of teen comedies during this time period. I grew up as a teenager in this very moment in time and Right. Like every movie is telling you that you need to lose your virginity by the time <laughs> you graduate high school and I'm like, uh yeah, you know. That's fine <laughs> and good and everything, but uh that's not the top concern of most teenagers' lives. You know, Unless they're watching these movies all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was a concern of mine losing my virginity in high school, and the person that I lost my virginity to, I hated with every <laughs> ounce of my being. <laughs> and it was like this really weird moment for a while because there was like a pregnancy scare and shit, and I got really angry and upset because it's like, great, I fucked up my college experience. <laughs> There's no way that I'm gonna be able to do anything. And then I think back on it, and it was like this really educational moment for me about number one, the importance of condoms, and number two, <laughs> like the uh, how we don't have any sort of sex education program in this country, which is another big thing, but also that. I feel bad for every fuck. I, I don't know how I got to this point, but I'm going to shit on the evangelicals for a second by saying that <laughs> I don't I don't understand the whole thing about the evangelicals, whoever you are, like wanting to get married without having premarital sex. Like if you got married to the first person that you had a sexual attraction to, you would be <laughs> fucked, man. <laughs> like big time <laughs> fucked. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of problems. With that. There's a lot of problems yeah. there. Yeah. But anyway, so Dan Aykroyd, everyone, info dumping about her being a valedictorian. The first lines out of his mouth is info dumping. And I'm like, God damn it. And they don't even profit on his like comedy at all in this movie. He's just like sort of played straight and he's irritating as shit. And it just makes me sad watching him like go through these motions, man. I'm like, Dan, I know you don't need the money, man. You got Ghostbusters residuals coming in. Like they, they got to be worth more than you fucking being in a Britney Spears movie. I really don't know how he was in this thing. I really don't. You figure that they could have gotten like Robert Patrick, you know, the guy that plays the T-1000 in Terminator <laughs> Player Dad or something like that. But not Dan Maybe he was a He was a huge Britney Spears fan like Robert De Niro was or something like that. Wait, De Niro was that, a... Wait, what? I read that uh, blip. There's some trivia on this that Robert De Niro, the, the actor who's playing the weird uh, murderer guy who's driving him across the uh, Right, country. right, yeah. What's his name? What's his name? I don't remember. Uh, whatever. It's, that it's guy. There somewhere. The, the main dude in this movie, he right. was in a show or a movie with Robert De Niro, and he was thinking that this movie was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> but De Niro is like a huge fan of Britney Spears, so he's actually coaching him on his shitty Jesus. lines while they're filming Jesus. their other movie. Oh my god. Yeah. No way. <laughs> god damn it. That's that's how the story goes. Oh my so, god. Jesus Christ, that's terrible. So maybe maybe Dan Ackroy was just smitten by Britney Spears and I guess. I guess original thing. Yes. Britney Spears being a virgin is about as believable as the moon being made out of cheese or the flat earth, Paul. <laughs> okay, so, like, yes, I went there. Fuck you, flat earth society, all right? Dude, but she wants to study to be a doctor, huh? Like, who is this movie made for exactly? Like, I'm, I'm confused on who this movie is, like, pointing at. Well, 
she doesn't want to. It's all her dad. So the main themes of the movie are tossing aside any common sense and right. like planning and for your future and ambitions and just going and having fun and watching MTV, of course, buying Pepsi products. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing terrible ever happened by chasing a guy out to L.A. That's never a story that ends in tears. So good thing that they talk about the speech and because they talk about the ski speech and like how important it is. Then they cut to everybody getting bullied by the black girl at some party. And then the post speech scene where they say that was a really good speech. And I'm like, it's a good thing that they cut completely around the speech because or else you would have had to have sit there and listen to Britney Spears suffer through his speech. But anyway. I wonder if they filmed it or they just they're like I there's no way we could I mean, this movie's awful as we're writing it, but there's no way we can have anyone believe that Britney Spears is like delivering this valedictorian speech. Yeah, it's I know, right? Work. Not gonna happen. You know, I was talking to my wife about this, and it's not in my notes, but I I noticed I hadn't really looked at Britney Spears in, I don't know, 15, 20 years, you know? <laughs> and, like, looking at her in this movie, I was like, that's what I don't find attractive about her, is that her eyes are, like, pretty far apart, and they droop down like this. She's got this weird, like, thing going on, like she's like the hills have eyes, like Jupiter from the hills have eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Dan Aykroyd comforts her as she cries about not going to a football game or having fun or some bullshit, right? And then it cuts to the graduation party abruptly. Like, this movie is edited like a fucking train wreck, dude. There's so many things in this movie, the way that it's edited. It's like, how did they get to this scene? And I had to, like, back it up a few times and be like, oh, they just, like, fucking smash cut into this shit <laughs> no, all of the all of the dialogue is referring to things that happen off screen, off screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. classic classic back up for a second early 2000 punk rock like god damn it man like the fucking murderer guy or whatever like on the stage playing that awful punk rock music from the early 2000s side note like some 41 sucked ass like that was one of the worst things that ever happened and like good yeah. charlotte as well and i'm trying to think of who else was how around many during bands that. sounded exactly like that song. oh a shitload dude yeah, a shitload it was like every every band you cannot tell them apart from what i remember <laughs> it was just they all sounded exactly the same like, it's like blink 182 kind of <laughs> yeah, came out like, at one yeah. time and then like everybody kind of copied off of blink 182 and there was like all these fucking punk ska bands that popped up during that time which thank god that ska died like god damn it it's over it's over for now yeah for now until they try to bring it back again i think there's like a 50 year <laughs> ska and <sighs> big band Jazz, so I'm gonna have to you know, I'm gonna so. have to see Ska and Big Bang come back when I'm in my 60s. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I think so. I think so. <sighs> that sounds awful. That sounds really awful. But dude, girls talking about the band member getting out of jail after killing a guy makes women look pretty stupid. They're like all turned on by this for some reason. They're like, oh, that's <laughs> cool. You might have killed somebody. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Remember when Justin Long was a star, dude? Like, remember that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Justin Long. 
But anyway, I was going to say, movies like this are why he isn't a star anymore. Exactly this movie. Brittany decides to lose her virginity and asks Justin Long to list the reasons why they should lose their virginity together. And he begs her, despite um, her apprehensions. Yeah. This isn't exactly <laughs> consent. Like, just saying. There's a big problem here with that. I feel for him because he's a nerd, you know. Uh, but yeah, he's got no game. You can't yeah. beg a woman for sex. It's just, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's sad. It never works. It's really never sad. Worked. Yeah. But dude, Taryn Manning meets up with her former fuck buddy in the parking lot and they info dump about a fetus that she's pregnant and she punches him and an to an awful sound effect, by the way. The punches in this movie <laughs> have the worst sound design. <laughs> then they instantly crossfade to Taryn in the woods meeting up with the bitch Zoe, right? Like, what the fuck is happening? Like, where's the A storyline in this movie? It doesn't appear until, like, 40 minutes into the movie, and it's only in an hour and a half long. I'm like, God damn it. Like, what is happening? What the fuck is this? <laughs> but Spears digs up their memory box but doesn't get her perfectly pink dress dirty, right? Like, her wearing pink all the time is heteronormative and typical as the virgin as is Zoe wearing red as the bitch, but that's besides the point. But... Why is the black girl the evil one? The high maintenance one that's bitchy and like I have a real problem with that. The one black person in this movie is a pain in the ass. Just I mean, god could damn, they do dude. if they did her as the pregnant girl that that, that would have been worse, I think. <laughs> yeah, so you know. At least they'd had some diversity. <laughs> <laughs> why why couldn't Britney Spears play the pregnant girl that gets yeah, like well, pushed down the stairs and shit? If yeah. it was gonna be autobiographical, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if if this is her semi autobiography, like this isn't a very interesting story. It shouldn't have been made. There's not a whole lot of drama going on here, you know what I mean? But dude, their memory box is only six inches in the ground, yet the editor chose to crossfade as if a lot of time had passed in order to dig down those six inches. And I was like, what the fuck? Again with this shit. Like, God damn it. Like, if you buried something, would you be able to find it on the very first shovel stroke ten years later? Especially since they're nowhere near the base of the tree. It's like out from the tree. Like, if it was directly (laughs) underneath the tree, that's something else. But... Even still, man, like you're you're absolutely correct on that one. Yeah, but all small bitches. <laughs> but all three of them info dump about one getting married, one being pregnant and wanting a record contract, and Brittany not knowing her mom because they need exposition in order to set up the overall like inciting incident in this movie, which takes forty three minutes to get to. <laughs> God damn it. Brittany sees her dad and they start info dumping more about his auto mechanic business, giving him the connection to hook up his daughter with a job at the hospital as Dan Aykroyd stands up with his white shirt completely spotless. Like, I don't know what kind of mechanic has a spotless white shirt, but that's a whole nother thing. Let's talk about for a second, Paul, about the driving scene where they listen to NSYNC, okay? Because at this time, like you were saying, she was dating JT, and like this is one of those blatant things like Gili where they're just trying to cash in on some bullshit, and it fucking hurts to watch it because it's just like, God damn it. This is essentially like us all standing around in the high school drama department and being like, oh, popular kid. At the time they were filming it, she's with them. But by the time it came out, was she still dating? 
I, don't I couldn't tell you because I don't give a shit. Uh, so. <laughs> so sorry, I had to go down this like Britney Spears conspiracy theory like whole. Yeah, find okay. out Talk about her Talk whole timeline, and it's unclear to me whether or not this came out, and it was like, oh, that's over. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm what like, other Britney Spears conspiracy theory shit did you uh, wander across during this movie or during research uh, of this movie? Well, I mean. That she's had to change her voice because she sounded too much like Christina Aguilera. Right, right. And yeah, that was part of the fucking with her, her voice box. And so then she ended up lip syncing a bunch of concerts because she couldn't actually sing her Right, music. that was a big controversy <laughs> too, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then, yeah, the father taking over and into her sex slave or something like that you know, basically I, I don't know i didn't he's I tried basically to joseph fritzling her man like it's basically yeah. what he's doing they sit at a waffle house and they reveal that they have 486 dollars right and britney pulls out a calculator and punches in a few numbers and says it's gonna be tight how the fuck did she calculate that without knowing route <laughs> mileage miles per gallon or any toll roads or anything else like i'm confused how she came up with that number in three fucking moves of a calculator she's a valedictorian so she knows the gas price at every stop that they're going to make <laughs> exact gas mileage of wait their, their car where exactly do they come from because that wasn't exactly somewhere clear in the to me. south i mean they're driving west when they start and they drive a whole day and they're in alabama as purportedly by the uh what's the, the name of the hotel that they first stop at that has the funny scene where like the zoe what's her name falls through the bed oh right but yeah that's like alabama hotel or something like that so it doesn't this take is... that long to drive from west of alabama to alabama it does if you're coming from southern florida brother oh uh, well okay so there you <laughs> go maybe they start out so yeah, by by the geography of it, they're like in far South Carolina or Florida or something like that. <laughs> to end up after a full day of driving in out. That makes so much more sense if they're from Florida and all this shit is happening. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of Waffle House, Paul, this leads me to my sandwich beef oh, of the week. Oh shit. Let's talk about consistency, Paul. Let's talk about the importance of enchiladas topped with green sauce, okay? Let's talk about Don Lino's Mexican food in Los Angeles. So one day after an all-night film shoot, I found myself in downtown LA, right? I decided I needed something to soak up the alcohol that I had on the truck after a hellacious night on set. So I wander over to Don Lino's, right? And it says, Hatch. Film, uh, where are you filming here, Gabe? Just relax, okay? Relax. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Don Lino's has a sign outside that says, Hatch Green Chili Sauce advertised on the sign, right? So I'm like, dope. That's awesome. Even though I know better than to trust the Hatch Chili Peppers <laughs> that are roasted in Echo Park that same year. I wander in. I get my chicken enchiladas to go, right? And I go sit in my car to enjoy some fat and oil and cheese. But as I open the to-go container, I see the green sauce looks like split pea soup with a skin of white plasticine cheese on it, right? What the fuck is this? So... 
I cut into the enchilada and the green sauce is congealed, right? It's like splitting like a fucking like bad flan as I'm cutting through it. Yeah. I decide, fuck it, I'm hungry. This could be worse. It doesn't matter. I just need to get something in me so I can pass out and go go to sleep to get up and go back to work the next day. I bite into it and it's completely tasteless. Other than the unmistakable non-Newtonian signature of cornstarch to thicken their sauce. But what's that familiar melted saran wrap consistency that I feel on my molars, Paul? Oh, that's it. It's shredded cheese that's mozzarella from a bag on top of my fucking enchiladas. I eat it anyways as I paid 11 bucks for this bullshit and I'm starving. I drive home and I become acutely aware that my stomach is making some fucked up noises i park my truck in the garage under my apartment and i run inside to throw the lid open to the bowl and a brown mist fires from my ass with force (laughs) but it's not done there paul it starts coming the other way the split pea soup colored sauce has now further congealed into slug-like strings voiding themselves from my stomach if this were 1972 paul this vomit would be clearly the inspiration for Reagan and the Exorcist. Exactly that same sort of chunky consistency. Mind you, Paul, I don't have a trash can near the bowl, so I had to take turns shitting and vomiting into my shit in the bowl. Before it was all over, though, my eyes were filled with tears as I rocked back and forth hoping that this would all be over. After my bout with the botulism special, I literally had to take a shower to rinse the remainders from my body, a brown and green slurry circling the drain. To Don Lino's on 3rd in Los Angeles, I rebuke you and repudiate you with all that I am. Go fuck yourself, you fucking child. So, Paul, uh, this cover that they're playing over this next few scenes when they hook up with uh, Kurt and they're driving along and they stop at a fucking rest stop or whatever, there's a cover of the song Kill a Man by Rage Against the Machine. And whoever plays this cover is an absolute travesty, man. Like, who the fuck is singing that song? He doesn't sound anywhere close to Rage. His voice is terrible, and it's just like this awful awful fucking version of it and it's a pretty famous song like why would you fucking do that <laughs> that's my real question yeah. i mean that's like a older 90s song so they had to update it with uh this dude whoever the fuck new, sang it i don't even know what the fuck i i totally gave up on pop music at that point in my <laughs> life so, you know, how coincidental is it, Paul, that Taryn, Zoe, and I'm sorry, his name is Ben, not Kurt, but Killer Ben are all going to L.A. at the same time? That's pretty fucking coincidental that all these people are doing this at the same I time. Oh, converging storylines. It's crazy. Right, I wonder right. if they all have something else in common, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But, dude, they talk as they drive some more, and the engine blows out, right, as they pull to the side of the road. And Killer Ben opens the hood and touches the fucking top of the exhaust manifold and reacts from it being hot, only to announce, I think it's the head gasket. Someone didn't do the bare minimum of research on anything engine-related, meaning him, but besides the fact, Brittany touches a hose, just a hose, 
then sees antifreeze leaking on the ground and shows up Killer Ben by saying exactly how much it would cost to fix the radiator because this is the most that this movie can do to make a woman three-dimensional is this one moment <laughs> on the side of the road. <laughs> Especially yeah. since we see the three girls cat fight 10 seconds later yeah. as Ben goes to get help. Yeah, that's, that's a terrible scene right there, the cat fight <laughs> thing. Just <laughs> Man, I drove out to so this place in kind of tribal land area up in the four corners in New Mexico called Bisty Badlands. Right. And I had this old beat ass uh, like BMW 5 series. It was like right. 10 yeah. years old. With, with its giant gangster rims and everything like that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just have to drive what you can afford. You know. But mm-hmm. So I'm out. It's like July 105 out and the coolant pump blows or starts <laughs> leaking on my car. And so every 20 miles I have to stop and refill the uh, coolant reservoir just to get back to Albuquerque. That fucking sucks. <laughs> but you can, buy, you can buy this stuff that just like it's like glue or something. You put yeah, it the in. radiator plug shit. Yeah, yeah, and that that got me going for at least another month or two before I finally replaced the coolant pump. You can actually crack an egg inside of the radiator, and it actually works. Like you can crack oh, nice. an egg inside of the radiator, and it like forms a skin on the radiator yeah. that it allows it to keep going. Huh. Not that you had a fucking egg like sitting around. There's not like. I do not crow's eggs sitting under a bridge like it's always yeah, sunny I mean, and you get into the crow's yeah, this, eggs. this was the the coolant pump though so you, it's oh, not yeah, easy yeah, to yeah. get at not yeah. the radio, the radio, so. a few a couple of months back i had a really bad power steering pump leak that i couldn't get to because i was on the shoe crew and i couldn't take it to the mechanic right so i was like buying this coolant slash power steering pump leak stop right and you would pour like a third of the bottle in and it would it was supposed to help like skin it over enough in order to keep you going so i end up going through like six bottles of power steering fluid and like six bottles of this fucking like sealant shit and then when i finally take it to my auto mechanic dude the uh the return hose for the power steering pump has a hole in it that's like an inch wide and I was like, I'm actually surprised that any fluid <laughs> stayed in this thing. Like, it wasn't just spraying out under pressure because it has to pressurize the pump in order for it to activate the, the rack and pinion system, you know? Yeah. But uh, as my auto mechanic pulls the pump out and he starts pulling the hose out, I shit you not, there's this mummified rat that's in my fucking <laughs> transactional axle. <laughs> And I guess he had chewed a hole in my power steering pump and it died from the fucking chemicals or whatever <laughs> and died right on top of the transaxial. But he was like pretty fucking mummified. It was cool, actually. Awesome. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, we had a squirrel chew the battery cables and electrocute <laughs> itself in our van <laughs> when I was a kid. Nice, nice. And yeah, it's, it's like hair was all standing up. Nice. But dude, jumping back to this movie, they drove from Alabama or Florida or where the fuck they came from, and they are currently in Louisiana during this scene that they get towed to the auto mechanic shop, right? And Brittany goes in it and uses the phone and she dials seven numbers to call her dad. Like that's not how long distance works. Like you gotta <laughs> dial an area code in there too. But Taryn's big idea to get the money to fix the radiator is to do a karaoke contest in New Orleans, right? 
Do contests like this yield hundreds of dollars in prizes? I'm confused. I've never seen a karaoke contest in my life. Maybe it's because I don't frequent that scene, but also I don't think for a second that people would be throwing this much money at people that can do karaoke. It's not about the karaoke in the scene, though. It's about the girls dressing up sexy-like. Right, right, yeah, and realizing that they're freeing themselves or whatever the fuck. What's What's the dude's name again? Ben? Ben. Ben. Ben, yeah. He's just a pimp. (laughs) (laughs) He's a pimp. You're exactly right. (sighs) But, dude, Taryn chickens out and gets stage fright only to tee up Britney to showcase her record contract I'm a virgin voice, right? And her ass, since we need to objectify her to sell more <laughs> records. They even have a coordinated dance routine, and Britney dances around the stripper pole as they sing the awful song I Love Rock and Roll to a New Orleans crowd that erupts in applause. Because, sure, <laughs> this is realistic. Yeah, yeah, sure. Great karaoke song. It's really going to get everyone all about that. For real, mm-hmm. man. Like, okay, so uh, how during many, karaoke. How many times? How many times in this movie do they use the shot, start on the midriff, and pan up? Like, I swear they use it at least 10 times. I mean, that was Britney's thing, because that was, like, her only skin that she was showing during that time period was her pierced belly button and, like, her abs moving up to her fucking, like, completely covered tits. Like, that was Britney's image back in the day. You know, like, that's how they got everybody, like, hot and bothered. But Britney forgets that Ben is a killer all of a sudden and gives him a (laughs) hug only because he tells her the total amount of money that they won. Like, he looks at the money, and she's like, how much is it? And he's like, it's enough to, like, get us there and, like, have some left over. And she, like, exclaims in joy and, like, jumps and hugs him. And I'm like, I I literally had to pause the movie. And I looked at my wife, and I was just like, what? What is happening? Like, did she forget that he was, like, a killer? Like, what the fuck is going on? All because he told her that because he can count? Like, that's the reason why? It wasn't even his idea. If anything, she should be hugging Taryn. You know what I mean? Just saying. It was Taryn's idea. But, but he's hot, remember? So, right, yeah. yeah. He also looks like he's fucking 30 in this movie. So, I mean, <laughs> that's a problem. But anyway, some some jock douchebag decides he's going to grope Britney Spears on the dance floor and Killer Ben elbows the guy in the face, right? But they reveal that the money is enough to set them up on a fancy hotel somewhere near Bourbon Street and the girls get drunk and dance around, but only after Killer Ben tells Britney, look, I'm not mad at you about what you did back there. To which she replies, okay, in a very understanding way. (laughs) But why would he have any reason to be mad at her for the way a douchebag treated her? Yeah, I was very confused about how any of that was her fault. And uh, this makes no sense. And it seems like victim blaming, which is the worst thing, but that's a whole nother issue. But the girls stay up all night talking and eating sweets. Like, how much money exactly did they win? Because they have, like, a full spread of, like, fucking room service and shit. And the hotel that whole scene, is nice. I was waiting for the pregnant girl to start drinking rum or something like that. Instead, <laughs> she's drinking Pepsi. Goddamn product. Not much better. I mean, uh, fucking... <laughs> I think she was drinking a diet Pepsi, too, if I remember correctly. Uh, or, like, a no. Pepsi Zero or whatever the fuck. Those weird soft drink combinations that came out during the early 2000s. But Taryn reveals that she was raped at a party, right? And that her baby is the product of rape. Like, Jesus, this movie escalated quickly into this territory. It's dark real fast. (laughs) I didn't get that, actually. I was just like, wait, I thought this was supposed to be like some sort of like 
discovery movie of discovering yourself on the road or some shit. And then it turns into this, like, all of a sudden, and they they run, they run around with this plot thread for a little while, and then they just drop it, which is really fucking bizarre to me, but besides the fact, I'll get to that later, because the way that they drop it is detestable. <laughs> they finally meet up with Ben again, and he takes off his shirt to not only reveal bad boy tattoos, right, but literal wings on his back, because Guardian Angel, get it? So fucking obvious. But Ben is asleep on the back seat, so they decide to take his car. And this is a scene that I had to pause as well, Paul, and like look at my wife, is that Taryn jumps in the front seat and decides she wants to drive, but she can't figure out how to start the fucking car. Like, what the fuck is going on in this? She, like, turns on the windshield wipers and can't figure out how to turn the key and can't figure out how to put it in gear. And then Brittany is just like, oh, did you fail your driving test? And then she takes over. I was like, seriously, what is this? What is this scene? <laughs> like, is this supposed to be funny? Is it supposed to be endearing that she doesn't know how to fucking drive a car? And then I didn't get the reaction about he gets all pissed off and makes him pull over. Right, like right, yeah. Jumping around. What What was that all about? Do you remember that? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, I mean, they do sing to Shania Twain just a second before that, which I it made me think, like, wow, Shania Twain. I haven't heard that name in a long time. I thought he was getting mad because he had some kind of drug deal going where they were. No, he gets, he gets mad. <laughs> He gets mad because his car is sacred to his masculinity because girly shit makes him uncomfortable. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. You know what that makes, Ben, Paul? Uh, <laughs> a grade A cunt is what it makes him. <laughs> That's close. That's yeah. close. So Ben reveals his time in prison was trying to save a girl from her stepdad by driving her across state lines, right? Which is called human trafficking, by the way, and kidnapping, and it's a 10-year <laughs> felony, not six months in probation, mm. just saying. But they try to make it like he's somehow a savior and that it's like sort of endearing that he was trying to save this girl. But I'm like, okay, number one, he looks like he's 30. Okay, so if he's <laughs> if he's over at some minor's house trying to help her with her stepdad, he's taking her across state lines. That's human trafficking, bro. That's pretty fucking bad. Yes, bro. But it was all a misunderstanding. He's doing the right thing. You know what Caitlin said when I paused it and I was bringing up that point and she looked at me and she's just like, he's white. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right, 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 right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. But this, of course, like endears him to the girls as a chivalrous knight in shining armor, because why not? Aren't cons cute and fun, Paul? This is a really fucking dangerous <laughs> thing that they're putting out there with this movie. But they decide to camp and they chat, and as Spears reveals her poetry to Killer Ben, they lean in and kiss, only to be interrupted by Taryn screaming and running and saying, something bit my ass, as she shows off her ass and reinforces Zoe being high maintenance. But... Something else came up during this scene, Paul, that kind of bothered me. During this time period where she runs out and says it's something bitter ass, like Zoe has these big ass curlers in her hair, right? Maybe you'll know this because Caitlin couldn't tell me. But Zoe has those rollers in her hair, but in the next scene, her hair is like perfectly straight. Like, wouldn't her hair be like wavy or curly? <laughs> right? I thought that's what rollers are supposed to be doing, but whatever. Ooh. Little miss on the continuity there. You know, yeah. There are worse things. I suppose. 
But they show up at Spears' mom's house and they reveal that they're in the shithole that is Tucson, Arizona, right? I hate that. Town. I don't know. I'd rather really I'd rather live in town. Phoenix. Or sorry, I'd rather live in Tucson than Phoenix. Than Phoenix, but... yeah. Phoenix is god awful. I fucking hate that town too. <laughs> but Kim Cattrall says, "Quote Lucy, we need to have a talk." And we cut to the hotel as we have an exposition scene where Brittany cries terribly, by the way. And there is somehow a light in the bathtub, like shining up on the wall that I was really confused by was the lighting in that scene. I know I shouldn't be focusing on this, Paul, but Jesus Christ, she leans in to be hugged by Killer Ben as we crossfade again to a fucking pool scene where they talk more and they say, don't worry, Lucy, even though you don't have a mom, you have us. And then we smash cut to the door opening the next day. Like, seriously, this movie is edited like a fucking train wreck, man. <laughs> it just like transitions between these big moves emotionally. And I'm like, God damn it. There's no way for you to latch on to anything in this movie because the editor is a fucking cerebral palsy victim yeah, that doesn't understand how to edit shit. <laughs> Who did edit this movie? Do you know? I don't know. I didn't even look it up. Somebody I didn't recognize the name. But we reveal... You know what? Actually, I'm going to pause it for a second. I'm going to go look this guy up because I need to know what this person did after Crossroads. Melissa Kent. We're going to say music music videos. Oh, wait a second. You know what Melissa Kent edited, Paul? What's that? The Vow. <laughs> <laughs> that had better emotional beats, though, than that. <laughs> the editing was better. She also re- edited The Rainmaker, which was a decent movie. Supernova, which is god awful. Crazy Beautiful, which is god awful. Uh, let's see. The Sisterhood of Traveling Pants 2, which is terrible. Four Christmases. The Age of Adeline. The Traffic movie with fucking, what's her name? An American Son. I don't, I don't fucking know any of these movies, man. Or American Son with... Uh, with Kerry Washington. I mean, I know Age of Adeline and Virgin Suicides, but yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know how somebody that edited the Virgin Suicides edited this. Like, I don't know how that happens. It's yeah, a fucking disaster. Yeah. But anyway, we reveal that Killer Ben wrote music to accompany her poem that she wrote, right? Because what we really need in this movie is Britney singing in another scene. And of course, it leads to her kissing Killer Ben because nothing gets women wetter, apparently, than tragedy. <laughs> As they drive in yet another scene, Paul, they cut back and forth between two roads, right? One without trees and one with, even though this is supposed to be a continuous song that they're singing through. Like, the trees disappear and reappear without (laughs) context across a continuous song. I was really confused by this editing. Even my wife noticed this. She was like, wait, what the fuck is happening? I was like, yeah, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Are there any trees between Tucson and LA? Because I don't call <laughs> I mean, if you're it's driving like, um, down where like Coachella is, like there's a bunch of trees like in the southern desert, like the Mojave near like Joshua Tree and shit, but they're like small trees. They're not like big trees like this, like poplars or whatever the fuck. But dude, somehow they're in LA, even though they were on back roads that don't lead to LA, which is I forty, by the way. I forty is the way that you get to LA. And it goes through needles by the way which is the worst fucking place on earth you know needles california yeah. paul 
This reminds me that every time I drove through Needles, a fucking biblical plague happened. I'm not joking <laughs> when I say that one time I drive through Needles and there was moths, dude, like moths the size of sparrows clinging on to everything. And so, like, I, I thought that was pretty weird because I had to slow down because these things were shattering it against my fucking windshield and just destroying it. But the next time I drove through Needles, like, locusts, a literal swarm of fucking locusts was in Needles. And I always stop at this same gas station in Needles because it's right around where I need to fill up. And uh, I go to get a soda out of the fucking machine that's over by the gas pump, right? And I pop my quarters in and whatever. And... There, the whole front, the illuminated front of the Dr. Pepper logo or whatever, is covered in locusts that are like the size of string beans, dude. I was like, what the fuck? Then there was like a giant dust storm one time that I drove through there that turned into a literal fucking tornado. Like I saw a funnel cloud coming down. I was like, fuck this, man. But it's a dump. I fucking hate that town. We were driving through with my friend Kyle, right? One time we were coming back from New Mexico when we came out to film that time. So, like, we're driving back, and we stop in Needles, and Kyle is, like, looking at this, like, 16-year-old girl that's standing behind the counter at the fucking gas station, like, working for, like, her summer job or whatever. And Kyle couldn't help himself. He, like, looked at her, and he's like, what decisions did you make in order to get here, and do you regret any of those decisions? (laughs) I was like, god damn, dude. She's 16. Lay off. But anyway, apparently... Apparently, the editor, the writer, the director, the cinematographer, and everybody else doesn't know how L.A. is set up, right? Because when they get into L.A., we see signs for the Hollywood Bowl, then the Hollywood sign, and then the PCH as they drive south from Malibu, right? Like, that's not how L.A. is set up. Like, you wouldn't drive south on the 101 to end up north on Gower, then past the Tower Records building only to end up headed south from Malibu. Like, I know that they're trying to edit this together to show, like, landmarks or something like that, but I'm like, dude, there's no way, no way that they would have driven across this shit. (laughs) But they cut to Zoe talking on the phone to her fiancé, who is predictably too busy to see her. As Brittany and Killer Ben stay back in the hotel, as Zoe and Taryn go to find her fiancé. Because she needs to lose her virginity and all. Because, again, a woman can only be defined by who she sleeps with and loses her virginity to. Side note. A beachside hotel in Malibu, even in 2002, would be way out of their price range. They would not have been able to afford (laughs) that. They would have been fucking in the Safari Inn in Burbank. (laughs) That's where they would have been. Pasadena. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Glendale, dude. They would have ended up in Glendale. But lo and behold, Zoe's fiancé is a douchebag, and of course he is cheating on her with another girl, and it's revealed that he was the one who raped Taryn, and very dramatic music swells as Taryn, of course, falls down the stairs, and she drops her world keychain, because her world is shattering. Get it, Paul? You get that significance? It's so Uh, fucking good, I was, I wasn't paying much attention to that, so I thought that Zoe, like, punched her in the gut and that's Jesus. how she lost the child and i was God like I, damn. 
guilt-free abortion right there. That's all no, I'm she like chases after her as Taryn as Taryn is ri- running away, and she like grabs at her, and she like falls down the staircase. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. So yeah, just, that way they could make the abortion be no one's fault, and they wouldn't have to go into that whole thing about a woman's choice and shit. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that skirts. Which is detestable, by the way. Like, <laughs> But she loses the baby, obviously, and this sets her up perfectly to be able to embrace her music career, right? Which is sort of detestable in the use of tragic loss of a pregnancy and rape, mind you, to set up a character to pursue her dreams. This is like one of those cheap things that screenwriters use to justify women's anger is that the woman either gets raped or she loses a baby. And I'm like, God... Jesus, like women are more three-dimensional than that, man. It doesn't have to just be these two things. But Dan Aykroyd shows up and tells her that she needs to come home and she packs. But Killer Ben uses his own selfishness to guilt trip her, his new slam piece into feeling obligated to choose between her dad and him. Again, because this woman can't be defined by anything but what the men around her do and choose for her to do. They get in a cab and they go back home and Brittany takes her locket off and tells her dad, quote, don't make me do what she did. Don't make me leave. Just let me go. End quote. So great. She's blaming her dad for not only her mom leaving, but using it to leverage her dad into letting him her stay in L.A., That's pretty fucked up. Like, despite the music telling us that she's a new woman who wants to be proactive in her life, that's a fucked up thing to say to a dad that's bent over backwards to help you and raise you single-handedly. Just saying. He didn't abuse her in this movie. He wasn't some fucking drunk or whatever. She fucking throws this shit in his face like he's not worthy of her respect. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? (laughs) I mean, he is controlling and... He's telling her what she wants. Sure, and, sure. You know, no, that's I mean, absolutely that's, uh, that's, a, that's little, absolutely a thing. But so, you know, yeah, that's uh, she needs to get out of that little relationship, and then they can have a full, fully developed relationship after that. Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's not completely out of the ordinary in the sense that the only way that my parents and I became closer is me telling them to go fuck themselves like a thousand times. And then through that, <laughs> <laughs> through that, we became closer because of that, which I find kind of interesting that my parents actually still like talking to me, especially since I never apologized for any of those <laughs> things that I told them to go fuck themselves over. But besides the fact, she gets out of the cab, right? and runs into the arms of Killer Ben and kisses him as we crossfade to her singing in the audition with her song that Killer Ben wrote for her, right? And we watch this entire song play out like this is a music segment of a fucking SNL episode or TRL or whatever the fuck. (laughs) And this song goes on and on as the crowd joins in clapping and screaming cheers in a concert like venue. Yeah. Like, this is not when, how when record that started when it was work. leading up to that. When it was leading up to that. I started playing disc golf on my phone because I was so bored. Wow. Disc golf. On disc my golf. Phone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You don't even have angry birds on your phone, dude. Nah. <laughs> angry birds is great. Just saying, like I like Angry Birds a lot. <laughs> the idea of like shooting a bird into a bunch of pigs, like inside of a house, is it's pretty fun. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. gets that rage element out of me for a little <laughs> while. 
But anyway, we crossfade to a beach where the girls bury their past, literally, and we cut to an outtakes credit sequence. Like, this is a fucking Jim Carrey or fucking Jackie Chan <laughs> movie now. All cut to yet another Britney song, cut like a music video, as we roll credits. Paul, the fact that this is based on her real-life story, and it's kind of wild that it is, it's one of the worst movies ever made. Like, this is one of the worst... <laughs> autobiographies I've ever seen <laughs> like there's nothing nothing happening in this movie that makes me want to know anything more about how Britney Spears grew up or like her life in general I'm like so her mom left and said that she was a mistake and like she was raised by a loving father that didn't beat or try to rape her or molest her or whatever and saved up all this money to try to help her get through college and shit and supported her all the way through her studies and whatnot. And she has a bunch of white friends, by the way, in a fairly white school. But, like, all of this is somehow dramatic. <laughs> like, I'm confused. Yeah, there's not much conflict going on here. No, this is the kind of story that turns into white woman gets married, has a kid, and turns <laughs> into a fucking QAnon reader. <laughs> marches on the capitol that's what this movie is anyway so paul <laughs> talk to me about next week man how's your uh how's your prep for a shining episode going uh, i didn't do anything related to that last week so i need to keep dragging it out procrastinating more it's all good Something. just whenever <laughs> i was just curious yeah all right so it's gonna be so good gabe i'm gonna put like at least two more hours to work into it. It's going to be <laughs> so good. <laughs> Killing yourself at this work schedule, man. Killing it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys once again. This is the Movie Dicks Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I am Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schindler. Thank you guys. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs>